welcome to the Boy Hattie Podcast. Right, it's our time to talk to you about pop culture garbage we feel strongly about. I'm Annie. I'm unhinged through time because oh, I'm that's Tom Cruise. <laughs> hey, Bill, I, you were just telling me about a game called Marrying Mr. Darcy. Annie, can we not record this in, in YouTube with, like, metal cage overlay so we look like we're robots on the battlefield? We could do something like that. I, you know what? Yeah. It's a shame that Google Hangouts... Uh, stickers don't include some sort of mech suit sticker. Some kind of, yeah, uh, Edge of Tomorrow mech suit. Yeah, no, 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 we were just talking about how the XOXO conference is going on in Portland. What is the point of XOXO? Is it just a generic kind of, like, nerd stuff? No, Bill. It's like, it's supposed to be like a, uh, movers and shakers in new media, is my understanding. Well, that is kind of nerd, but it's, it's not like just a general nerdery Bill, thing. It's, it's not like a comic con. No, but it's, it's for like creators and stuff like that, kind of making weird, crazy, like, on edge of technology and social stuff kind the of idea, stuff, right? The idea is that it's supposed to be a lot, like a lot of cross-functional and cross-discipline um, creators in new media coming together. And power. Yeah, we, we only brought this up because we were talking about this, right? <laughs> Actually, we should have been re- recording this while talking about the podcast. But uh, listener uh, Hannah Groff, she's in town, and she's visiting friends as part of the XOXO conference and stuff. And I guess uh, Anita Sarkeesian talked for the first time since she was driven out of her home by the Gamergate stuff last night, and she got a st- uh, standing ovation with which, congratulations to her. She fucking deserves that. Uh, when I found out that a friend of the podcast, Katie, was going to be at uh, Sarkeesian's talk, I was like, I was totally jealous because I would have killed to go see her. Yeah. I killed to go and give her a hug and say, I'm a fat white guy from the internet. Let me give you a hug. For the record, Hannah Groff did try to go sneak in using the uh, wiles of our Australian accent. It did not work. So she oh, could yeah. talk her way in. I don't think uh-huh. you could, my friend. But yeah, the other thing we were talking about, I guess they test board games, new and recently released board games, at the XOXO conference, and I saw everyone out last night was flipping out about a new board game called uh, Marrying Mr. Darcy, which is, it's just a card role-playing game where, you're, like, you, you're trying to, I think the point of the game is not only to marry Mr. Darcy, but become the most content more than everyone else. It is a truth universally acknowledged that lovers of Pride and Prejudice want to marry Mr. Darcy. Marry Mr. Darcy is a strategy card game where players are one of the female characters from Jane Austen's novel Pride and Prejudice. Players work to improve themselves and attract the attention of the available suitors. The lady do this by attending events and improving their characters, but advantage can be gained by using cunning. All of their (laughs) efforts are in hopes of marrying well and becoming the most satisfied character at the end of the game. I love that it's the satisfaction more than anything else. I, I, I like the idea that everyone might we get to marry Mr. Darcy, but it's really about who's who's really just the most well-rounded, most happiest person at the end. Oh my god, they have an undead exa- expansion. Oh really? That's a bummer. Ugh. <laughs> Soon to be a major motion picture in a theater <laughs> near you. Hey, you know um, what? You gotta you gotta stay real with that DLC, muscle. I'm gonna create my own spinoff on that game. It's gonna be called Defending Mrs. Sarkeesian. <laughs> You get white knight cards. You don't care Actually, about what anyone else. Says. That would be kind of interesting to play to have like a uh, a internet like uh, onslaught card game, like something to build. Actually, you know what? You could totally do that. We should. Okay, now that we've mentioned this live online where it's being recorded, we've patented that idea technically. Don't worry, no one listens to the Boy Hattie podcast, Bill. No one will steal our ideas. That's Fine. what I'm saying, exactly. This is our own little private think tank. Whoever is listening, the two people listening, you're also part of this patent thing. So you're essentially investors in our idea. Oh, Yo. one person just left, so fuck you. You're, you're out of the fucking deal. Um, the, uh, so uh, speaking of uh, Gamergate, I had a weird moment yesterday where I kind 
kind of felt like in a brief moment i'm like i understand where all these people are coming from of all things you have a stroke well no okay so here's my thing I tend to approach conflicts. I'm not as, as unfortunately, my friends know I'm not a very confrontational person. I don't deal yeah. with all that stuff. I just I don't have a lot of experience with it, so I don't do it very well. And I have a bad habit of I always can see the other person's side, and so I'm always like, well, they're well, you're a pretty empathetic person. Empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I, sometimes I have trouble understanding these conflicts where people are just like, fuck them, because I genuinely can't understand having some empathy for the other person, even as you know. You disagree with them. So we went to Multnomah Falls yesterday. We were taking Hannah Groff and her friend Claire. They're visiting from Australia. And we're like, well, we'll drive them up the gorge and uh, push them off. Exactly. Push them off. Forgot that it's like a weekend at the end of summer. So it was slammed. And we wound up dropping them off at the falls and driving further down and wandering around and then driving back and an hour later to pick them up. And we circled this tiny little parking lot five times trying to find a parking place. Wow. On the fifth, well, and really, I was ready. I'm like, this is going to be our day because it's just so crazy and there's no parking. On our on our sixth go around, we're waiting to turn out of this parking lot. And suddenly someone next to us is about to pull out. And they have room to pull out and for us to park. And I'm like, oh, this is meant to be. This is great. Fully changed the indicator. How does it tie back into camera game? No, I know no, it will, I'm but I'm really It's gonna take well, some gymnastics to pull this off. Yeah. This dude bro come come apparently he was in the car behind us, walk like was the passenger, gets out of the car, walks in front of the parking spot, and blocks it, and then motions to the driver of his car, like, come here, I'm saving this for us. Oh really? And I have never like, I have a terrible temper, but I can usually always, like like I said, I'm a creature of empathy. So I'm like, if someone cuts us off in traffic, I'm like, well, maybe they didn't see us or da-da-da. Yeah, this... No. Did you I want them like, over? Well, the thing is, is that I actually, I have never done this before. I rolled down my window and yelled at him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Are you serious? Seriously? And he moved a moment later. But for a brief moment there, I was like, I, I had my hand on the door handle. I was going to get out of the car and shove that motherfucker. I really was. Yeah. I was going to resort to violence. And in that moment, Foley, Foley had, tends to be uh, a little more cranky than I am. So she was even like, oh my god, Annie, are you going to assault that guy? And in that moment, I was like, this is how they feel. They feel like someone is blocking the parking spot of gaming. And they want to turn it into a handicap. Like, like, yeah, unjustly. They've been waiting, but yeah, now they're, yeah, yeah. I and gotta see that. All these people who just want to get out of the car and shove it into Sarkeesian. And it's, <laughs> in that moment, I was like, oh, we all just need to come. You know what? Who cares? It's a fucking party. I mean, spot. I guess, I guess, I guess if, if, if white guys have always had like, you know, like, like, you know, 30,000 years of the upper hand of social society, and now you just have to be born at the tipping point where white guys are kind of losing a little bit of that control, you might feel like, no, that what sucks. But, yeah. What really cracks me up about Gamergate is what control are they losing? Like really? That's the thing. Well, they they keep on thinking that like everyone wants to take away their games when really it's not about taking away or even changing games that are made, but just like creating games that uh, like that include more people. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's it's not a zero sum thing. It's it's you're just yeah. trying to broaden uh, the, the 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 appeal of games. You're not trying to suddenly go back and retroactively censor games or change content or anything like that. Uh, although I mean I could see them. I like, I I could even see when. Uh, like the 
I, I could see gaming being an escape from reality. Yes. And you don't want politics and stuff being brought into it because it's that escape. But this is also the the the, the result of gaming needs to grow up, and it's going to have to like actually take some social cues. See, and it can't always know. just be like this grubby like little. It's like comic books. It's it can can always can't always be the super niche thing that's just made for white guys to jerk off to. It's got to it's got to evolve. People making the I don't want to be reminded of politics game cracks me up because it's just because you're a white male. And so it doesn't remind you of politics. But every time I play a game, I'm a second class citizen. I'm a punchline. Like a gay person is a punchline if nothing else. It's like I am reminded of politics all the time. These games that seem apolitical to those guys, it's because those games have been molded and designed for those guys. But to anyone else, there's political stuff because it's so shit can be racist, shit can get sexist. They just don't see how weirdly, like, fucked up the politics are in those games because, yeah, the games are designed to cater for them. But, yeah, they just can't – that lack of perspective – is, is a huge part of those gamer gay guys. But, and even again, a big fat dopey white guy, I can understand sexual frustration and wanting to have something for yourself. And I can understand where they're coming from. But also, at least, I, at least I'm happy that I can at least be empathetic, that I can see other people be, like, beyond yeah. myself. I can think outside of my own head at least a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not trying to pat myself on the back saying, oh, Bill, you're so much smarter than everyone else. But it is like, there is a certain kind of like, emotional intelligence and empathy you need in order to i don't know and it doesn't help that so you know what a big thing too is it's easy to forget how a lot of these guys are super young and these are kids yeah. who grew up in the internet and kind of in their own little like 4chan bubbles and stuff like that yeah. so they haven't like i grew up without the internet i grew up in a world where you kind of have to be empathetic to other people or you get psychologically evaluated and you get medicated or you get put in that house. Yeah. Whereas these other kids are kind of growing up without that. I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. It's a social, uh, 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 a generational gap kind of issue too. Yeah. Because a lot of these, especially like a lot of the people who aren't even pissed off about the sexual politics with Sarkeesian, but are pissed off at just like the game journalism stuff. Uh, they don't seem to understand how journalism works or how the industry yeah. works. They, they seem to think they don't have an understanding about how business works, too. Yeah, it's like except for a lot of the wrong reasons about this stuff. One of the things that happened this week was one branch of the dis- dissatisfied gamer population started a new journalism website called GoodGamers.us. Oh, I didn't even hear about this. And the thing is, is that it's it's just an enthusiast press. Like it's just they're all just like people who um, contributors who are just doing it for the love of their you know the it's only supported by Google AdSense. Yeah. And that's. It's it's kind of interesting to me because it's essentially a regression to early um, internet uh, times when it was just enthusiasts and you had no one who was doing thing, doing these things full time, where they were yeah, basically exactly, just yeah. you know regurgitating like what they could find and clinging on to every scrap that they could because they had yeah. no connections or anything like that. It's it's interesting. I say more, you know, what, of all the ways to react to Gamergate, that is the most constructive and proactive thing. It's like. I would like to add my voice and perspective to this and a help and like in a non-abusive way. Of course, then one of their first articles talks about rape in a really dismissive way. Uh, so, you so know, did, good did start. you actually read much of it or anything like that? Or did you I looked at I looked at some of their sites, uh, some of their stuff. And is it saying like rape is okay or like talking about rape is okay or anything like that? Oh or? no 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 no! They're talking about a game that has uh, uh, rape as an aspect of it, and it's just a really dismissive description. It's like, well, rape. 
doesn't really matter because it's just, you know, whatever. You just move on. Was, I was hanging out with Dylan yesterday. And we were talking about, like, you know, 4chan and Reddit and Gamergate and stuff like that. And we were talking about how um, she didn't know that Yatsuba is the icon for 4chan. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where they got their name because her head is supposed to be like a four-leaf a clover. Yep. And so that's kind of – and she was, like, extra horrified <laughs> that, that, like, Yatsuba, it, you know, is, is tied to the basis of such a t- – Oh, it's a scary organization, but yeah. And, yeah. Uh, we also talked about Cube Girls for a while, too. That kind of horrified her, too. I found in, I found a couple new fetishes this week. Cube Girls? I found two fetishes Do I, I found online. Know? On, actually, on Reddit this week, of all places, uh, there's uh, a whole fetish about dudes with monster heads. Uh, dudes, kind of like Minotaur things, either dudes with like bull heads or monster heads or something. But it's human from the waist down. And I, I've seen arguments within this fan community for dudes with bull heads as to whether or not uh, it's hotter if they still retain their human intelligence or if they just turn into mo- like they have animal intel- intelligence. So they turn into animalistic fuck machines with human bodies. And the other thing is cube girls is the fetish for women being compressed into helpless cubes. <laughs> not painfully okay. lowly, but yeah, what? Okay, cute girls. What the hell is that? The other one. What's that called? <laughs> I didn't pick it up. I don't. Beast know. men, you say? You know what? It may just be. Uh, I I think it maybe just sort of sprung from like the altered beast video game from like sure. forty years ago. Because that's just actually that is a game where it's just guys with like like animal heads. Yeah. You um, should, I thought you, you might actually be interested in the Beastmen idea. Yeah. I I was actually looking at Tumblr one day and I was talking to someone about. The reason why I ask is that I found on one of the male gaze blogs I follow, there was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen, which was this really, like, obviously this photo shoot of this dude in pseudo-Roman garb, but in, like, a fetishy way. And then someone had really poorly photoshopped a steer head on it. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen, but then I clicked through and looked at that whole Tumblr, and it was just a whole Tumblr of animal head dudes. Yeah, this may like, this may have been an extension of that, because I saw it was all art and photoshops and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, la- I was like, whatever, and I clicked away, but I wanted to show it to someone, and I've actually been looking at it. I'm like, no, really, I found this whole Tumblr of animal head Okay, I'm glad we found our way into this fetish through, through different uh, channels. Okay. Bless. Bless. So what, what would you prefer? Would you prefer guys keep their uh, intelligence, or they turn into animals? Like they they lose their intelligence and just turn into beastly fuck machines. Mm. Which which is the better one? That's hard to say, Bill. I could see if it was a temporary thing, like a werewolf thing. Losing your mind would actually have more of an appeal. But you don't want to permanently like just like turn into a dumb animal, though. So, yeah. yeah. Although it's would weird. it still be possible to kiss them? Like I guess it would just be about sex, and we're you know you could have a conversation with, like you know. That's kiss a weird them. thing. That's a weird these are the questions that I think it's like the cube girl thing. There was a debate in the cube girl community as to would the girl's feet still be sticking out? So if your foot fetishes, could you still like you know like what like you know? Oh, see that makes me sad. You know what? If you're an animal-headed beast man fetishist, you could hire a dude and yeah, work for that. Yeah. If you're a cube fetishist. There's, there's, no yeah, there's no outlet for you. Unless you have a girlfriend who's really willing to kind of compress yourself a little bit, kind of like. This has got. There's got to be a market here for. Um, there are like the. I can't remember what they're called. Matt, if you're still on the po- uh, listening, maybe you'll know. You can get these like pieces of furniture that are like sex furniture for you to put your. Um, a fleshlight in so that you can fuck an actual thing. It's like a sex ottoman sort of thing. Really? 
clearly there's a market here for to acute uh, appeal to cube girl demographics where could you not oh what so like you could like put a girl into a like a cube like kind of thing well you just basically do a print of some sort on this fuck furniture and then add your oh no, i see what you're talking about Bill, can you please put a note on this week's episode that my mom really should not listen to this one okay i'm gonna add that literally to the top of the show notes um anyway what were we actually talking about uh you read it uh 4chan we're talking about empathy and whatnot yeah Uh, this is the worst thing in the world and he just Um, got a message from her uh animal-headed sexy boy uh association membership (laughs) or i got a text from hannah groff saying we should hang out no I'm doing a podcast. Oh, we gotta, gotta keep talking. The energy's gonna get sink. Okay, yes. yeah. Okay. okay, so uh, the only thing I I really was pretty low key this week. I was just hanging out with folks. You were pretty low key. I was pretty Thor. Oh, <laughs> that really? That genuinely took me that amount of time. I can see in your face, kind of like thinking it over, like what the fuck? <laughs> I gotcha. The jokes. Okay. The jokes. Uh, all I did this week. Uh, was we? I watched a lot of this PBS series called American Experience, which I started calling um, Annie's Ignorance Parade because this is a series about um, popular, uh, basically aspects or people in the American experience and American popular culture and American history, and just kind of focusing on different aspects. So they have one on the Amish, and they have one on the. Um, like they had one on Henry, well the ones I watched were ones on Henry Ford, um, Billy the Kid, and uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, these are the documentaries they always have ads for. Like after you watch like a really cool Nova special, they're like tonight at one a.m. American Experience about. Dude, they're really well made. They're really good. Oh yeah, they're not ma- they're not bad. Yeah. They're but super. They use a lot of American they, history. Yeah. They use a lot of really compelling photography. One thing that's interesting is that they talk to a lot of. Um, they don't necessarily talk to a lot of academics. They tend to talk to a lot of historians and writers. So people tend to come to things with a more. Um, humanistic perspective so it's a lot of more empathetic perspective to tell about at least with the three i watched because they were about people to really kind of focus more on the kind of conversational human perspective of these and really help humanize these people in history and man i don't know jack shit about these people in history that's what I'm, <laughs> like i realize i don't know jack shit about butch cassie and sundance kid well, it's uh, funny because you love the movie, but like, yeah, who really looks up like the actual like you know historical figures? Because or like you know. Billy the Kid, I thought I knew all about him. Nope. No, he was he was a, he was a tiny guy with tiny hands who kind of shot people in the back and was an asshole. No, actually, not at all. You should watch what I'm wow, doing. Wow, that's what happened. No, he was basically <laughs> Young Guns. Young Guns and Young... Actually, you know what? Young Guns 2 is actually a legitimately fantastic movie. You, Those are good cowboy movies. You told me this many times, Bill. Yeah! It actually goes into the whole thing. Did, did Billy the Kid actually die, or did he fake his death? Anyway, yeah. no, the, That's Billy, the polar opposite of the American experience. But, no, they were really interesting. I highly recommend them. The reason why I wound up watching them is that the Billy, the Butch and Sundance one just showed up on Netflix, so I watched that. And then... Okay. Uh, 
Apple TV has a PBS app that has some of these specials on them. So I watched the one. I'm going to watch some of that this afternoon because, yeah, I have that app. Yeah, I've never actually clicked into it. Super good shit. Really well done. I highly recommend them. Henry Ford is really interesting. Are Um, they all, like, hour-long documentaries? They're, like, two hours, dude. Oh, really? Okay. At least the Henry Ford one was. I can't remember how long. Ken Burns shit over here. But the really interesting about Butch, Cassie, and Sundance Kid was I didn't know they were a murder-suicide. Like, that's how they died. Was like, it the same thing? I mean, did they actually die in Bolivia? They actually were in Argentina. Uh, one oh. thing that was interesting was that the um, the movie actually follows their life pretty accurately, except that when they went to um, they went to South America, they went to Argentina, and they actually set up a farm. Like, there's oh, some okay. really there's some. Which is funny because like like the, like their their girlfriend in the movie is kind of, kind of trying to goad them into like being farmers and shit like that. Calm down, yeah. Well, what's, there are actually photos that you can find online of Butch, Sundance, and Etta Place on their farm in Argentina. Hmm. Like, it's really interesting. And then we, you don't really know why, because Etta Place is kind of a mysterious figure in history, but she leaves at some point. And then they, they uh, things happen, and they wind up getting found out, and uh, they, uh, they're... It's very similar to the climax of the movie in that they're holed up in a place, but yeah. what really happened was, um, yeah, sure enough, like, they get shot, like, a hundred billion people show up and start shooting at them in, in this house, and then the next morning, the co- like, basically, the local forces go in, because they don't want to, you know, board it at night. Turns out that was the first time that Butch Cassidy had ever killed a man was that night. Oh, really? And then... Uh-huh. Um, he, because he was known for his really thought out crimes, where like he would really think out the getaway and everything like that. And mm-hmm. so he usually he usually got away with cunning, and he was, didn't have to resort to violence. But um, in the end, they found them the next morning, and it was clear that they had they were wounded from the gunfight, but they oh, knew but they, they were going to make it out. That. Yeah, yeah. So, so they was, they just waited till the morning just because they knew it wasn't it wasn't smart to storm a house in the middle of the night. Yeah. Just, well, the the this, the army came in the next morning because they weren't gonna. Yeah. No one wanted to be they the first man. Realized something or, was up when they wouldn't. Like yeah, they had stopped shooting back all night and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. That's so it was huh? it's they're really good and really well done and I had a lot of fun watching them and yeah. Henry Ford was a crazy old crank. Here this is just it. Here's what I learned. I read a Wikipedia and now let me tell y'all all about it. Did you know that Henry Ford was a deal bag? Did you know? Anyway. Was Henry Ford was he the one who am I was Henry Ford the guy who was fucking around electricity too? Am I thinking of uh, Edison? I'm thinking of Edison. He was going against Tesla. Henry Ford. <laughs> Edison was also. I know about Edison. history. Edison was also a dick. Edison was friends with Henry Ford. Edison was the one who electrocuted an elephant. Yes, but uh, yeah. yeah, Henry Ford is a weird dude. He he decided to double the minimum wage, and so his worker, like the national average, was like two fifty. He took it to five dollars an hour. But then also, like, years later, he, like, it, like was really bad with union bashing, and his dudes, like, there are, like, all these photos of... I'm going to stop talking about things I watched on a documentary. This isn't actually interesting. And They're really good. Y'all I want to create... That's what I do to you. I want to create a webcomic that's about a guy who vents cars is also the king of the Jews, and it's going to be called Henry Ford. I-N-R-I Ford. That's really... <laughs> really, really... And he's just like, he 
hates horses. Low key and Ford uh, and Thor. That was pretty good. This is reaching a little bit. Hey, Bill, tell me about. I know that voice. I know that voice super good. You should watch it because you like cartoons and you like people who voice cartoons. So, and it's also free on Netflix. There's absolutely reason, no reason why you should not have watched it like four times this week. This is true. Is is Tess McNeil in it? Uh, yeah, no, it's got everybody in it. It's got, they actually even have archival footage of Mel Blanc talking about stuff. So this is, uh, I know that, I know that voice is the documentary that was put together by John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender, and also J. Clem Adventure Time. He essentially just went out and just did the documentary where he just goes and talks to all of his, uh, voice acting buddies in the, in the voice acting community. And they have, uh, what's her face who did the voice of, uh, Rocky Squirrel? Oh, June I mean, they got pretty much everyone who you would. There was a couple things where I was like waiting for like Gray Delisle to show up. She shows up. Everyone. Uh, it, it's 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 the best part is actually just like the lengthy interviews they have with people where like everyone's cracking wise and doing impersonations of other characters that they've never voiced before, but like people and like trying to impersonate each other. And like there's a thing where like two guys are trying to out Mike Tyson each other. And it just generally it almost feels like hanging out with all these voice actors for two hours. Yeah. It's, it's really casual and laid back. And uh, it gets interesting, too, because, uh, like, the last, like, quarter of the documentary is about how kind of voice acting for video games is starting to really encringe on uh, voice acting for cartoons, where that's kind of, like, becoming as much of a thing as, as it is, yeah, voice acting for cartoons. So they talk about, like, a lot of their work for video games. But they do mention, that, like, how their voice work for video games tends to not be that fulfilling, because half the time you're just like, huh, huh, yeah, day, watch out. But they do talk to uh, Commander Shepard. Oh, Jennifer Hale? Yeah, she shows up and like, I love you, uh, Jennifer Hale. And they also spend a, a decent amount of time talking to Andrea Romano, who is the oh, yeah. casting She's director on... for a lot of stuff, including Avatar and Legend of Korra, and I do have a crush on her. I She's think. been doing that, that casting work for like 20 years. Well, they specifically talked to, there was a voice casting director guy who worked in like the 60s and 50s who worked on all the old like, you know, mid-century cartoons that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of like one of that guy's disciples. And so they <laughs> talked about the lineage of voice, not just not not just a voice uh, acting, but also voice directing and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty well-rounded uh, documentary just about the current state of uh, cartoon voice acting, and and also with like you know they they still look back enough you know they talk to June Frey, they have archival footage of Mel Blanc, and they have this one guy, he the super skinny guy where he's talking about like oh yeah you know it's I'm I'm a prime lesson in that. Uh, you can't judge a cartoon voice actor by his physical appearance because he starts talking about how he showed up for an audition for the Flintstones cartoon. I guess in the last 10 years there's been a new Flintstones cartoon. This guy is like five feet tall, weighs about 90 pounds, super skinny, scrawny guy. And I'm like, who the fuck does he voice on the Flintstones? And suddenly yeah. he rips out with a fucking tone perfect Fred Flintstone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, and the, the funny thing is, too, is I'm old enough that I don't know a lot of the cartoons that these characters voice, because they. it's funny, because there's a lot of stuff where you just have uh, voice actors just talking in their cartoon voice, and you're supposed to know who they are. And it's like John DiMaggio doing like a Bender voice, you know, like, oh, he's, he's doing Bender. But other people are like, who the fuck is this person? Who are they voicing? But it's still entertaining just to see. So even if you don't know half the cartoons, it's it's, it's still a fun uh, documentary to watch. But yeah, a lot of Animaniac stuff. They have the guy who I think voiced Wacko on the Animaniacs. Again, I've never seen much of the Animaniacs. Yeah. But I mean, they talked to Rob Paul. Jess Harnell, yes, I think. It's but yeah, the other guy, he looks like he should be in Kiss because he has super yep. long hair. Yeah, it's, just and it's just he he looks like a nut job, but 
Uh, it's it's a really cool documentary. It's a free. Like I said, it's free on Netflix right now. It's fantastic. It's, it's definitely worth your two hours. Bill, tell me about playing Destiny. How's Destiny treating you? Oh, man, Destiny's a bummer. Destiny's not terrible. It's just really bland and kind of lacking yeah. in content. The real thing, it, it, a, a lot of people have been freaking out about how the game is not getting terrible reviews, but just getting middling reviews, kind of like middle of the road, like mm-hmm. Sevens. We usually big budget games like this. It's kind of it's kind of a given games like this will at least get like 8s and 9s out of 10s. Yeah. Uh, but this game's kind of getting a lot of like, yeah, it's good, but it's all right. The big thing about this game is t- that everyone seems to be dancing around. It's utterly lacking in personality. Mm. Uh, everyone's criticizing how terrible the writing is and yeah. you know, lacking in content. Uh, the, a game like this where there's not that much content and the writing is, is kind of – where the writing is terrible and the world building is really thin, you can get away with that if the stuff – even if the thin little minute amount of content and writing you're putting into the game has enough character to yeah. draw you in. This game doesn't do that. Um, it's funny because everyone loves Mass Effect. Anyone with a heart yes. loves Mass Effect. Mass Effect eventually just evolved into a third-person shooter, where really the only meaningful thing you're doing in any environment in Mass Effect when you're not talking to people is just shooting things. Right. They dress it up. They give you such an excuse as to why you're going off and shooting things because you got to attack these guys because these guys over here need you to save this mission and stuff like that. There's enough context in there you feel like a meaningful part of the world, whereas in Destiny – the only thing you're doing in any mission is that your Peter Dinklage's little robot cube shows up and says, "We got to go find this old computer and hack into it." And you mm-hmm. go, you walk through these big, big, fast environments to get to an old computer. He starts scanning it, and while he's scanning it, monsters jump out and attack you, and you just fight those monsters, and that's the end of the mission. That is every mission in the goddamn game. Yeah. There's no, there's no. Mass Effect does such a better job at dressing up. You get that kind of stuff to where if you feel like you're more like in an actual fictional world, whereas yeah. there's not even that any kind of pretense in Destiny. So I think that's yeah. a big part of the reason why people are kind of – it doesn't do a very good job of distracting you from the fact that you're just shooty, shooty, shoot. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really pretty. It's fun to go, run around and do these missions with other people, but like yeah. if you're by yourself, it really kind of – it's kind of like riding a roller coaster by yourself where – if you're by yourself, you know, you're not feeding off the energy of other people with you. Yeah. It just kind of becomes kind of a creepy ride or yeah. I mean, maybe not a roller coaster, but like a dark house ride or something like that. We yeah. don't have other people yelling and screaming, kind of like feeding into that energy of that environment. It just becomes like it just becomes like a, a shitty roller coaster. But yeah, no, that was very much so my experience playing the beta because I played it. Fully and I both played it for like an hour by ourselves. It was just kind of like, mm. and then mm-hmm. I finally played it with like i think you and conley and had a really good time and yeah it's but that's just hanging out with my friends that's not necessarily like... yeah and and the writing is really generic uh you're 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 playing as guardians who hang out at this place called the tower you're fighting something called the darkness so you can protect something called the traveler and the darkness is just like this vague a bunch of aliens called like the cabal and the fallen and there's no there's no personality that it's 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 almost like uh like every alien race is just a bag of generic potato chips where it's just like labeled it's very black and white label and stuff and there's there's only like two or three speaking characters in the whole game and so and 
the little bits of lore that you can find in the game, nothing in the game is explained to you in terms of, like, you have no idea even what century it is that you're fighting in, what any of the stuff is. Uh, what happens is when you defeat an enemy, uh, you, they drop a little card that you pick up, and rather than being able to read that card in the game that's supposed to explain what that boss was or whatever, you have to go to the Bungie's website. What? So, what? the game's already threadbare on lore and explanation and context for whatever it is you're doing in this game. And the fact that, like, whatever stuff they kind of came up with, you have to go, you have to stop playing the game and go read it somewhere else, is fucking insane. Mm. And so, yeah, and, Bun and Bungie's never been really good with writing and world building to begin with. But I think they're kind of banking on the fact that, like, Halo, they made so much money off the Halo games with, like, an expanded universe of books and stuff that like kind of fleshed out the Halo narrative. I think they're already assuming people won't will want to do that in this world with this yeah. game. But there's they they cut out so much of the story and the content that there's almost no no reason for you to get even get even get invested enough to want to read the expanded universe. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's, it's yeah. Ruff, 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 ruff. But well. it's still it's not bad. It's fun to play the shoot the mechanic the game the shooting mechanics going around shooting people yeah. is fun. Yeah. But, the shooting in it is a very satisfying thing. Yeah. They, no one's gonna be talking about this game in a couple months because it's it's there's no like like you can max out all your levels in 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 the game in just a couple days. People People have been pointing about, been pointing out how this is. You shouldn't compare this game to other first-person shooters because it's trying to be an MMO. So right. if anything, you should compare this to like World of Warcraft when that first launched. And I think Phil Kohler from Polygon, who gave it a really the game really really uh, really low review, pointed out the fact that even when World of Warcraft first came out, it would take you like a good six months to breach the level cap. There was like six months of, like there was a, yeah. still a huge amount of stuff in that game. There's a lot of there there. Yeah, in this game, you could see everything there is to do in this game in like three days. Hmm. So even on, on MMO terms, there's just not that much there. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, I don't regret buying them. I'm having a good time playing with other people, but yeah, that's a little oof. Bill, if you want a game with good writing and yes, a sense yeah, of lore, about this. Yeah. you should play Hot Full Boyfriend. <laughs> So we talked about this a little last segue. Week. Yeah. <laughs> so what what happened this this week in the world of Hatabu? Hatabu I genuinely can't tell you because it was so unexpected and surprising. <laughs> Talking about it would be the like the worst. So like, you can, like open up the secret endings. If you if you woo enough birds, you unlock the secret ending, which is longer than the core game. Really? Like it, I I was playing it over. Like I kept having to stop and then like go out to dinner with friends or like go to bed or something like i have no idea how long this extended ending took but it was ridiculous the uh secret ending is like one path with very limited choices so it's not like it's like as branching as the core game itself but it's hilarious because they basically tie all the various and sundry insane threads together and explain yeah. the universe and explain why you're a pitch you're at this school for pigeons and all this other bullshit they really do all that stuff they do they explain it all it's amazing Holy if you want how lower many, play how many hours did you have to put into the game in order to like uh, find out all that stuff it's hard to say because when you look at my <laughs> steam account because steam keeps yeah. a record of how long you play the game it says i've played like 228 hours because i kept leaving my computer on while <laughs> i was uh like go away and come back and finish it so i i want to say i i played through the game like 
I finished it, I want to say seven times to unlock that ending. So okay. you, you pretty much, once you've, and it, it behooves you. Seven to, times, do you mean like, did like, is that what, like you, like you dating different people and having different outcomes of the game? Yeah. Seven okay, different yeah. And it behooves you to have played through as many outcomes as possible before you beat the, or before you unlock the special ending. Yeah. Because the special ending talks about a lot of the other characters. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it gives you context for, like, all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you play it before you've wooed that character, then it's essentially. Yeah, you really don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Well, um, how much is this game? I want to say it's like 10 bucks. It's ridiculous. Bill, you would hate it. Any... <laughs> you would hate it. I spent $150 on Destiny. <laughs> Beat it in three days. I don't know how much ever I'm really gonna play it. You spent ten dollars and had a boyfriend. Technically, have played it for over two hundred hours. <laughs> I think you came out on top. I'll do a full boyfriend. It's just amazing. It's one of those things that where I really want to talk to someone about it, but I don't want to spoil it because yeah, it's so no, much... that's rough. The you, pleasure. Like... You need to have a spoiler cast. I need to take no. podcast and you no. can have other people and just have a hot to full boyfriend spoiler cast. I'm really excited because my friend Brenna is playing it. Uh, um, my... Annie, I don't want to... Can you see the sun outside your window right now? This sounds really weird. Is it normal colored? Because right now in, in my neighborhood, it has turned nuclear orange. There's a, It's all filtering through the clouds. So there's yeah, a lot the, of weird the clouds are like on. it looks like the end of the world outside right now. Anyway, it's doing that weird thing where sometimes yeah, depending on the clouds and the weather, like oh, it's it's, it's like a golden sunlight here. I feel like I'm about Do you to feel die. Like out? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is like super cinematic in here. I feel like I'm in a tampon commercial. Anyway, <laughs> anyway half the fun of Hatchful Boyfriend is thinking like going into it knowing nothing more than you're going to date pigeons. Yeah, exactly. And then unraveling. I can't fire. remember. Are you actually playing as a pigeon or as a person? You are a human girl. Oh, okay. And the you... less I can say about it, the better, because that game is just, like, this weird delight to be. You grow a pigeon head, and suddenly you meet your sexy boyfriend who turns out to actually have a human body. Never. Because the camera suddenly panned down, and he's got, like, badass pecs. Uh, I will say that the game does involve body transformation, so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, Hot to Full Boyfriend is amazing. What I animal so would Tom Hardy have? What, what? What animal head would Tom Hardy have? Hmm. Hey, Foley, if Tom Hardy had an animal head, what animal head? <laughs> Casual question. In our household, this isn't really... Um... Hold on. That's something we're thinking about. She's there for all afternoon. Yeah, she can, she can, she can check back in whenever she comes up with the You'd the probably idea. be a pit bull, right? Um, either like a wolverine. A wolverine, yes. Or a badger. What yeah. animal heads would you guys have? What animal head would you have, Foley? I would probably be a pig. I'd Let's be, be honest sort of, here. Some sort of large Aww. cat. Big cat. Why yeah. a pig? It would be a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be a tiger. Or a lion. I, I just watched all that. the extras on um, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Riley. Yeah. I'd watch that. Her and Tom Hardy. <laughs> I would totally. So the the we'll go to Edge of Tomorrow now. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> we will also watch it last night. Bill watched it yesterday. It's coming I'm out. I'm not on... letting you off with being pig-headed. That's terrible. What? Would you not be a badger mole or something like that? No, I'd probably be a pig. Let's be honest here. Hey. I'm hey. honest. I love how y'all are both offended on my behalf. Yeah. Why? You'd be cutie bear. I okay, fine. I would be a cutie. Bear. You'd be a cutie sun bear. <laughs> oh God, sun bears are terrifying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the word. They're, they're cute. Yeah. Um, I... Guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, that's... There we go. Guinea pigs are food. That's terrible. They love salad. 
Oh, you eat. I would. Well, I guess I could if I don't you, want to be an animal. Would you be a cute? Would you be a so cutie corgi? No, I'm not assertive enough to be a corgi. Would you be a tired corgi? I'd be a really tired corgi. That's that tired corgi. Really but again, this is your animal head. It's not your full body. It's just your animal head. Wait, that's what I'm saying. It's. I'll tell you about it after. <laughs> I know that is a really weird out of context. I know question. that it took it took a, a long time for that question to come. Yeah, like, why are we talking about this? Which is very telling about? of our relationship. So Hannah, a friend of the podcast, Hannah Groff, was visiting from Australia. She's in oh town. my god! And she can now say with full authority that in the Foley Millennial household, we do spend that much time talking about Tom Hardy. <laughs> And I do spend that much time playing with Legos, so she can now testify to the reality. Yeah, I would have thought you would have picked, like, a Lego species of head that you'd be, or, like, you know, Benton Knight, like, you know, you'd be a wolf or something. Well, the only Benton species are lions, gorillas, rhinos, wolves, tigers, cheetahs, foxes, ravens. Oh, the only one. You just named half a zoo. But I'm just saying those are, oh, uh, eagles... But they ride horses. Phoenixes. Yeah. There's no horses. There's no like anthropomorphic horses in Benton, though, right? I'm really excited. There. Well, no, no. There are no. There are no. All the horses are actual horses. Oh, horses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited because. <laughs> welcome to <laughs> Lego <laughs> Corner, everybody. I don't get it. <laughs> Sid's happy. Welcome to Lego Corner, everybody. So I was reading a yeah. Lego blog the other day because this is my life, and they were talking about rumored Lego sets. Foley's very excited too. I'm really excited because the rumored sets for Legend of Chima include bears, so you could get bear people. Yeah. Them. I didn't know where that sentence was going. Oh, could you not? Good. Since the bears, since the Lego heads, are they just stickers or are they painted on like for all the Chima stuff? They're printed just like a normal. Okay, because I thought maybe if they were a sticker thing, you could actually like design and make your own Lego head. But if they, that wouldn't fit in if they're all printed on. Them. Well, I can, I can, like I can't just get blank heads or. Um, like get off the printed heads and print, but yeah, the only I've looked into this at length. Having Legos custom printed, usually the minimum is like three hundred. And I see, I've actually looked at this. Uh, well, the thing is, is that you can't really get, you can't make a custom printed Lego because it's a mass produced process. So yeah, that's what like I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to like order in bulk. So I was actually thinking, like, what should, should we make something for a wedding? But no, I'd rather do what we're gonna do. <laughs> That could be that could be favors you give out to people. You just get to get to keep the surplus. Yeah, well, that's... hey everybody, you get five hundred Lego badgers <laughs> that are arbitrarily dressed like high stakes poker players from your. If people 18th. know you enough to come to your wedding, they should understand. <laughs> exactly. Memorable. Yep. So anyway, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about Lego too much. Shit, I can't remember. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow. It's right. Segue into Edge of Tomorrow. We also rewatched. <laughs> we rewatched Edge of Tomorrow last night. Uh, man, I am so mad you can't buy an Angel of Verdun poster. That is such a crime. No, that's not a thing. No. In in the movie, there's this propaganda piece that you see repeatedly that's of the Angel of Redan and you of of Emily Blunt's character. And Phil Graffiti, Full Metal Bitch. She's <laughs> my favorite. And it's ridiculous. Prefer to have the Full Metal Bitch graffiti or not? Her corner. Uh. I, you know, I don't know. I, it would. I just kind of want the poster. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like. Well, that movie made two dollars at the box office. It's one of those movies where you're kind of surprised they even put it out on video because it did that badly. Oh really? Um, oh, I didn't. Actually, having merchandise for it. 
No, it did, it did, it tanked big time. That that that's why uh, everyone is trying to figure out was it just the bad name? I mean, it tanked badly enough they essentially changed the name for the home video release because they yeah, knew they that there, like so few people had seen it in the theaters that they weren't losing any kind of like mind share for doing that. Yeah, now it's oh wow, it really did tank. It cost 178 million. It grossed 100 million in in America. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. Which actually hundred million dollars for a movie is still not terrible. No, that's but for a two hundred million dollar picture. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, that's so. rough. So I did buy it. Uh, spoilers. I may have procured this movie in an really? unauthorized no. kind of way. It is available legally for download via iTunes. That's what we do. I am going to buy the Blu-ray. I'm going. To, it's one of those things where yeah, no, it's 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 not a perfect movie or anything like that, but it's it's a good movie. It's it's good times. It's not like I've seen people rave about how oh my god, this is one of the finest science fiction motion pictures ever. It's good. I don't know if I would say like like. Like it's like oh it's the new Blade Runner or whatever, but it's fun it's as a, hell. It's great. When, like I I don't care about uh like this sort of movie being high grand cinema. I just want to have. Well, that's what some people try to push it up yeah. to. Like I I don't care. I just want to be entertained. Exactly. Yeah. I just want to have enjoyable sci-fi with Emily Blunt punching people a lot and slicing into cutters with the helicopter blade. A bit here because. Uh, I loved the movie all the way up until like the last act, where the whole time, time jumping back, like resetting time mechanic stops being a thing, and that actually kind of like sucked a lot of the fun out of the movie for me. I don't think the it, when it it stops doing that and someone yeah. comes to you like, oh, we can no longer reset the day if anything goes wrong. It's a, if we die now, we die forever. I thought the movie suddenly turned into a really rote, typical science fiction monster yeah. movie. Yeah. And it doesn't help because at the end of the movie, they're fighting literally thousands of these monsters, which throughout the first two-thirds of the movie, they've already established that any one of these monsters can completely destroy whatever it is that they're trying to do. But at the end, like, when they've lost the ability to reset the day and, and learn how things are going to work out, that's only they're literally fighting thousands of these things, and they still escape relatively unscathed. Yeah. It's kind of, like, killed the, the, the drama for me. I would have rather... Rather the ending being about, oh my god, we can't reset the day if anything goes wrong, there's already kind of a built-in issue where even if you can keep on – even if you die, if you get reborn, there's this built-in thing where like you think eventually after a while you would just go insane. There's there, there's different ways they could have built up drama for the end of the movie that wasn't just, oh my god, I lost my magic power. But it's still – it was good. I really – man, Emily Blunt, Jesus Christ. Emily Blunt's great in that. I love that there's been the two recent really enjoyable, satisfying sci-fi movies have featured Emily Blunt being a badass. It's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, with that looper. Yeah, this in Looper. It's a fine. Yeah, she's both like like falling in love with some kind of like dude unhinged through time kind of story too. Yeah. It's a. Uh, I'm I'm fine with Emily Blunt being a sci-fi badass. This is a trend. Yeah, and I get to see her in her natural English accent too, which is also cute. Yeah. So it's it's a really fun movie. I think I. Yeah. I it should not have grossed zero dollars. It's a really enjoyable film. <laughs> Which is why we're living in a society where $100 million equals $0. But no, that's what essentially what, from in Hollywood terms, that's what it is. If it costs um, $170, it makes yeah, it. Yeah, her running around. Was that, I didn't realize that was a helicopter blade. Yeah, fully just pointed that out what? to me. It's yeah, a helicopter it's a helicopter blade with a, like, a, like, like a Final Fantasy sword hilt built onto it. But yeah, it's just fucking. It's just yeah, it's, no, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. 
I mean, especially Tom, like, uh, like uh, I was talking about it with people last night, and they were like, oh, I didn't see that movie because I hate Tom Cruise. This is a perfect, if you don't like Tom Cruise, yep. it's a great movie for that, because it's Tom Cruise playing an asshole who gets by on his charm. You mm-hmm. you, you, you had mentioned this movie is essentially the Americanization of Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. because it's essentially, uh, the, the, actually, my appreciation of this movie is, is severely enhanced by the fact that I had just seen the Americanization of Emily, an old James Garner slash Julie Andrews flip from the 1960s, just a couple of weeks ago because, you know, James Garner died and this is the one movie everyone kept on yelling me about. Like, if you like James mm-hmm. Garner, you this Americanization of Emily movie. And that movie is about this guy who, he's in the army, he's in World War II, and he gets by, uh, he's, you know, he's participating, participating in the war, but, like, he's just, you know, surviving just by, his job is just to procure, like, you know, party stuff for, like, generals and stuff like that. So he's not actually fighting, he's just essentially just, like, an office clerk just procuring stuff. Yeah. And uh, Tom Cruise in this movie is essentially the same thing, except he's he's a PR guy for the military. He's, he's in the army, he's a major, but he never has to see combat. And uh, but he get, does get dragged into the war, and he thinks he can sneak his way out and charm his way out, but that doesn't work, and he gets totally fucked up, and it's great. But yeah, no, it's yeah. If and you want to see Tom is... Cruise die a million times, and you want to see Emily Blunt be uh, for comedic effect, no less, and you want to see Emily Blunt be a badass uh, soldier, then watch Edge of Tomorrow. And if you don't like those things. Yeah. You ain't the animated gif. I, yeah, the animated gif I keep on seeing coming out of this movie where it's Emily Blunt. It's actually like kind of pole dancing with the floor where she's like doing push-ups, but then she kind of pushes up to stand up, and she's all oily and sweaty, and it's all like, "Hey, how you doing?" I love that. Actually, becomes like the ending of the movie. Yep. Is like it's a gag. It turns into like, mm, man, you're very interpret. And like, yeah, no, it's cute. It's good it's movie. Ridiculous. It's a yeah, movie. That's Doug Liman. He knows how to make an enjoyable film. Uh, you know what? I didn't realize that was Doug Liman, the guy who made the Born Identity, until the end credits kicked in. Because the end credits were exactly the same from the Born Identity, yeah. where it's like, like the same typeface flying around all this, like you know, I don't know, and stuff like that. But he, he makes enjoyable action popcorn movies. Folly and I are the only people on the planet Earth who actually really enjoyed Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is another of his movies. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not a guy who's good movies. Yeah, it's just, I'm trying to think, like it's it's hard to talk about that movie anymore. But yeah, one of the best parts too is like the time rewind mechanic. Uh, is there's that's one of the things that like the movies actually got a lot of fun comedy bits. Yeah. They play the fact that like Tom Cruise can die and reset time. Yeah. And they do a lot of funny fucking shit with they that really stuff. Do. Really yeah, do. which that, they kind of lose that towards the last third of the movie, which kind of bugs me out. But it kind of makes sense. It's like that's not you know the last act of the movie isn't time for like oh funny gags about Tom Cruise dying anymore. Yeah. But I like they really wrung as much as they could out of that premise. Which is really yes. Nice. Speaking of uh, directors whose work you're excited about, uh, yeah. there was a horror movie I watched recently, and I know I've talked about it in the podcast called You're Next that I really enjoyed. I'm not necessarily a big horror movie enthusiast. It's essentially a home invasion sort of movie, uh, gore-fest sort of thing. But I enjoyed it because they did some unexpected things, and the protagonist is an interesting flip on the idea of the woman in harm's way. It's a really enjoyable movie. The folks who made that movie have a new movie coming out in the next couple of weeks called The Guest. Oh, right. Yeah, I sent you a link to it. What's it about? It's about, uh, so this uh, family 
uh, gets a guest at their door. It's this gentleman who served with their son during the war, and their son died, and so he's come back to give their la convey his last words and uh, you know look out for them because he was asked to look out for them. And then you know wackiness ensues, unexpected things happen. But I like those those dude. Like your next is so good. I'm really curious to see what the hell this movie is about. Uh, I would love your next even better if it was if it was the wrong your in the title. So they would try just try if uh people extra crazy yes. and the guest could be the T H E G U E S S E D the guest could drive cultural leaders nuts. Mm -hmm. Um Anyway, so, glad to see that you found a horror movie that you dig. I liked, I really enjoyed your next. It so it's not just... super bloody or violent or anything? Oh no, it's incredibly bloody and incredibly violent. <laughs> but there's like a kind of realism is a long word. Was it on Netflix or something? Uh, a friend of mine was like, I want to watch a movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's a, uh, it, it's a, there's kind of a groundedness like reality, like real consequences to the violence that I enjoy. There was only one moment of cartoonish violence that really pissed me off in the movie, but otherwise it's pretty, pretty enjoyable enough that all, so the, the um, antagonists in your necks are these dudes in all black um, gear. Then with these animal masks that are painted white, and fully, and I enjoyed the movie enough that I actually found those same because they're actual children's masks. Yeah. We actually found those masks and painted them, and they're, they're currently in our garage. Yeah, they're creepy and in our garage. They're great. <laughs> we we have all these ideas for Halloween costumes, but we can, if, in a pinch, if we really just need to slam something together, we can just put on a black hoodie, black pants, grab one of our machetes or baseball bats, and put on a your next mask, and we're done. Oh so. uh, yeah. Yeah. I, didn't you guys have another idea for a Halloween costume setup though? We're gonna be, uh, we're. I think we're gonna be Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. So then you get fully head. Uh, she gets an animal head, right? Fully gets an animal head. This will be perfect. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. You know it's what? Be, it's gonna be so good. If yeah, you fully... do, you, you take it to do the Big Bad Wolf and the One Little Pig if you if you're serious about that shit. <laughs> you wanna, yeah. That's, oh, Bill, I don't want the Big Bad Wolf to fuck the one little pig. It's a problem. Come on. You want the Big Bad Wolf to eat the little pig. That's, like, that's kind of half the point. Oh. Oh, I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, I'm excited about the guest. I saw the trailer for it before we did the podcast. Is why I bring it up. No, that's cool. You know, um, I should have you guys over to, like, I should I should try to find some horror movies you guys might be into, like, that kind of caliber stuff. Where it's, like, I don't know. I've seen that, that's, like, such a unique kind of thing, movies. though. I only saw The Shining within the last couple of years. What do you think of that? I really enjoyed the hell out of The Shining. It's a great okay. movie. I like it. I just don't like it as much as everyone else. I think it's an okay movie, but I'm not like in love with it like most other people. I'm absolutely in love with it. I was convinced yeah. that I wouldn't like it because it's such a it's so such a well trodden movie and so spoofed and so alluded to. I mean, if you've seen The Shining, The Shining episode of yeah, exactly, movie, yeah, I was really expecting that, knowing literally everything that happens in the movie almost note for note would undermine it but instead it kind of took a lot of the heavy lifting off of the movie for me and it was just mm -hmm. about the craft of it and the artifice and then also the um uh it made the creepy aspects all the creepier because i knew what was going to happen i knew it was coming and it still scared the hell out of me so that's cool i'm, I'm glad it worked out that way that was yeah. i really enjoyed the shining but yeah i think that's i watched very few horror movies very you don't few. Care about godzilla stuff do you Nope. 
Okay. Uh, one of my favorite Godzilla movies just came out on Blu-ray this week, and uh, it's actually one of the kind of like the few kind of like legitimately scary Godzilla movies because a lot of the Godzilla stuff is actually shown from like the people point of view. It's there's not too oh. much. It's 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 a Godzilla movie from two thousand and one, and there's a lot of stuff where it actually kind of shows like the. Uh, What's uh, the collateral damage of Godzilla going nuts? Where it shows him like oh, yeah. like people inside hospitals right before them like knock down stuff. It's not always just like camera pulled back and he's just knocking over a shoebox painted like a hospital. Right. And uh, it's kind of a scary fucked up movie. And it's also the one Godzilla movie where they explain why Godzilla is just out to destroy Japan, and it's because he is possessed by the, all the souls that the the Japanese killed during World War Two. Hmm. And so he's like possessed zombie Godzilla. Which is weird. It doesn't make it, it's still a Godzilla movie. It's still ridiculous, but it's a, it's got a little bit creepy edge to it that a lot of other Godzilla movies don't. But anyway, I just and I was thinking about the how like if I had people over to watch uh kind of like Halloween ish movies, but like stuff that aren't necessarily too bloody that could be a, a feature. But um I guess I'm trying to think because like, it'd be great actually to watch some kind of horror themed stuff with you guys and like we could watch I don't know stuff like like maybe the orphanage or something like that. But I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of other movies that you guys may have not have seen before that I, I could like. Because I love watching scary movies with people around Halloween and stuff, but I don't know. See, for the most part, I don't like to. I don't like to be scared. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy being scared. So there has to be something else to it to for me to even want to pay attention. Yeah. Um. So totally changing the subject. The other game I played this week was um, Sacrilege, which is a uh, twine game written by um, Kara Ellison, and it's a really. I highly recommend. Uh, especially the ladies of Boy Howdy Nation playing it. In it, you are a woman in a club. It's a very brief game. Uh, It takes like maybe 30 minutes to play it all. And uh, you're a woman in a club, and you are trying to choose who to go home with, and then you have to deal with the consequences of your decision. And it was I finished playing it, and I had a good time playing it. It's really well written and very um, evocative and everything. But I finished playing, and I was just kind of like looked at fully. I'm like, I'm so glad I ain't single. Damn! Like all, it brought back all of these terrible memories of rejection and all this. Like I was like, oh man, I'm so glad I'm not a straight. A uh, single hetero lady, and instead of just a married gay lady, God, this makes life so much easier. God. I saw your tweet last night. Did some pregnant lady actually think that like Foley was a guy last night while you guys were on the on the porch or something? Oh, that was just that was unrelated self-loathing. People just, always yeah. think that Foley is a guy because Foley now has this haircut where she has like her sides are all shaved. Oh, the Don Draper, yeah. And she's got the top all long, oh, and she looks looks, good. and Aww. she's getting more and more ripped from her crazy warehouse job. So oh, yeah, yeah. And my ass is just getting whiter and flatter from my desk job. So <laughs> have you guys seen the Tom Hardy movie where he's hanging out with? Uh... Is it like a puppy and something else or something like that? You mean The Drop, starring Tom Hardy and Numi Pace, that just opened in theaters this week. Yeah, I saw the review for that, Entertainment Weekly. They gave it like an April or something. It got a good review, and it seemed pretty goddamn cute. Everyone seems to th- say that it's a really solid crime movie, and I love solid Oh, it's James Gandolfini, too, but he yeah. does not play the puppy. No, he does not play the puppy. Uh, I would like to see it very much, very okay. much. I've not had a chance to see it yet. That I will go out to a theater to see. You know, I, I hear it's about Tom Hardy. Every time he pets a puppy, when he's finished uh, petting the puppy, he goes back in time to the point where he start, started petting the puppy. It's oh a God, blissful, endless loop. <laughs> oh, 
perfect. Can you just pet the puppy in different ways? See, Bill, I've been on this movie's like thread for a long, long time because during shooting they kept releasing all these pictures of Tom Hardy with the puppy, and it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Did he adopt the puppy afterwards? No, but Tom Hardy is a big dog lover. Like you can find, well, yeah, they're also of, yeah. Like, there are really great montages of him with all the dogs in his life. He took his dog to that um, fashion show. Oh, yeah. He took. He just had a, a fashion launch recently, and he did bring his dog to the launch party. So, <laughs> bless. Bless Tom oh, Hardy. God. Uh, anyway, oh, to bring it back to Edge of Tomorrow, we talked about this when the movie came out, but the... Um, the the member of J Squad, the lady, the crazy lady, yeah. is actually Charlotte Riley, Tom Hardy's wife. Really? Yeah. No, that Nance weird little lady? Else. Yeah. Nance is <laughs> Tom Hardy's wife. She's tall. She's, yeah, she's actually really pretty. It's really funny. How, how tall is Tom Hardy? Probably about two and a half feet tall. Oh, he's a short one? All actors are short, Bill. I thought I thought I imagine Tom Hardy being like seven feet tall. I imagine like when they're having oh, sex, no. she's he's like a, this. I imagine no. she's like a pea on the side tall of a is hill. Tom Hardy fully. Tom Hardy, he's five eight. He's five eight. He's like average. He's okay, so he's he's actually put he's my height. I am. Yeah, Foley is actually taller than Tom Hardy. Yeah, that's but I'm wow. Foley's that. yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, everybody's the same height when they lay down. That's right. You know, it's kind of one of the things where they actually, it's, uh, Edge of Tomorrow is also one of the few Tom Cruise movies where they actually kind of, like, show Tom Cruise being kind of shorter than everyone else. Yeah, they let him be usually he's on an apple crate. What's Which that? Which is nice. Yeah, they let yeah. him be his actual height. Yeah, but the best part, really my favorite part of Edge of Tomorrow beyond Emily Blunt, beyond Tom Cruise dying repeatedly, is actually a Bill Paxton's performance. Oh, I wasn't yes. even saying anything about that, because I had no idea he was in the movie, and when he turns out yeah. to be one of the, like, the major characters, I was like, great. oh god, Bill. Yeah, he shows up, and I was like, I'm in, this movie could be the worst goddamn movie ever, and I'm going to finish this goddamn movie. It was good times. And... His performance is fantastic. He is having so much fun. Yeah, no, everyone, like, in the cast, <laughs> there's like a weird doctor guy who shows up, and who kind of helps out Emily Blunt. And Tom yeah. Cruise, and I've seen him in other stuff, and he's always been good stuff, and he always plays good doctor, like crazy uh, doctor stuff. And yeah, so that's basically a movie all around. Lots of practical effects. Yeah, that's uh, there's what a lot I like of there it. is a lot of CGI digital well, stuff. Sure. I mean, all but, the monsters are all CGI, but I like they actually made those suits. That's great. I saw footage this week online where they were showing they actually had live rockets flying through the air, blowing up things on oh, set. Geez. Which I don't even understand how or why you do that, but yeah. They showed all, everyone, like, a gang of, like, 100 people in mechanical suits, like, in this big mud pit, like, surrounded by green screen. And, but they had live rockets, like, flying over their heads, like, crashing into stuff. They're hot. Jesus cool. Christ. Yeah. Friends, in summation, Edge of Tomorrow gets the uh, to- Boy Howdy verified stamp. Uh, we give it two out of two Boy Howdies. To, uh, oh, uh, with our rating system just being the two of us. I guess. Well, like, well, two out of two boy howdies doesn't sound like well, two thumbs up. That's essentially what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. Well, is it two Legos up? Like <laughs> you need to have more thematic thing. Can't I don't you, know if I want. I don't know if I want to be emo- that emotionally. It's bad enough that I'm already emotionally attached enough to Legos. I don't need that to. Thank you. <laughs> we don't need that to be. We don't have to seek out like corporate sponsorship with Lego. Just to have our rating. No, frankly, it would save me a lot of money. <laughs> Can we ask bricks and minifigs if they want to advertise on the show? Brought to you by in a heart. I would sell out in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we've had actually one or two offers. And no, Bill, we we've gotten like. Them. 
Will you pay? We'll pay you hundred dollars if you embed our advertisement on your website permanently. It's like that's oh, not really enough to sell out. We get to read out on the on the website. Uh, all right, friends, we're gonna take a little break and then we'll be back for the Geek Week interview. We're gonna have this advertisement for Geeks and, Br- and Bricks and Minifigs right here. Hey, hey Bill. You know what? I'd really like to go purchase some bricks and also some minifigs. But how can I make that happen? You know where I want to go to spend a hundred dollars on a bag full of yellow Lego heads? <laughs> bricks and minifigures out in Canby, Portland, Oregon. Why? Did you know they also have a location here in Beaverton, Oregon? There are so many options available to us. There are so many fucking Legos in this town. My God! And did you know that at the Rose City Comic Con they will also have location? Who knows what Lego we can buy? Stick your hand into this bucket of dirty Legos that has kids' names still written on some of the pieces. They're only five cents a piece. <laughs> that is kind of disappointing. That was kind of bummed when, yeah, when sorting through that stuff, you could actually see, like, there's a real Andy written on yeah. cowboy character's boot moment of, you like, oh, these actually belong to kids. They got, like, rid of these Legos. It's kind of sad. Oh, well. All right, friends, we'll be back for the Geek in Review. For real. time to talk about some things that happen. This is oftentimes my first time learning about it because Bill writes the notes and I'm just swanning in to read most, it. So. Most importantly, we have some breaking news from the internet rumor mill about Star Wars Episode 7. Mm. Supposedly. Bill, shall we start with that? Yeah, go ahead. This week, a special Daniel Craig filmed <laughs> a role, a mystery role in Star Wars Episode 7 that will be expanded upon in the sequels. Oh. That's the reason why I thought you might be interested in that, just because it's Daniel Craig. Mm. Which, actually, Daniel Craig in a Star Wars movie, hot shit, yes. Mm. Which, I... if he's only, if you, like, again, this is Star Wars rumor, this that happens all the time. Supposedly, Morgan Freeman's going to be playing Obi-Wan Kenobi's mentor in the prequel trilogy uh, bullshit, but... Bill uh, Cruz, he's playing a Jedi with an ass flap so we can see his booty. <laughs> Just for you. Yeah, no, he's gonna just get that just totally exposed. Not even an ass flap. It's just totally like it just exposed. He's, he's like, like wearing can I tap? Chaps. Yeah, actually, <laughs> even his brown outer robe is still like a cut out little TV window. Just he's his perfectly formed ass. Oh my god. Longtime listeners of the Way Howdy Podcast know that Bill is a uh, Daniel Craig butt fancy. <laughs> I would eat mayonnaise out of that guy's asshole. <laughs> oh god. That made you the worst. Maybe not. Maybe that's exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I like how even you're like, maybe that's too far. <laughs> you hey. know I'm just saying, if Daniel Craig, and and who's who's not Daniel Craig? Who's the other lady? <laughs> Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. If they were both turned into cube girls with their butts exposed, I'd have to think for a moment as to which one I would bend down and start start yeah eating sandwich out of. So I'm going to change the subject now. <laughs> um... Bill Murray's picks for an all-female Ghostbusters crew. Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Linda Cartellini, and Emma Stone. Really? 
That's, that's his, yeah, that's his official Those are not that far off from ours. Yeah, that's pretty darn, pretty darn yes. good. You need a black lady in there, though. It's a little white. It's a little, yeah. it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little hey, how you doing? Just Bill Murray's a lesbian. Yeah. yeah. I know, exactly, yeah. That's a good cast. I like that Kristen Wiig's response to this was, sure, cause, because, quote, I'll do anything Bill Murray tells me to. Yes, which that's that's when you hear Bill, Bill Murray talking about you, that is the appropriate response is, yeah, sure, whatever Bill Murray's into, I'll I'm up for it, too. No, that's great. Actually, I had not, no one had talked about Linda Cardellini before, but that's a great pick, too. Yeah, she's not. Um, Linda Cardellini being uh, Lindsay from Freaks and Geeks, and also... Velma from the Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah, with crazy... Yeah, oh, seeing her all sexed up in those Scooby-Doo movies was really alarming. Not that I ever saw the movies, but I saw the pictures, and, like, she was such a frumpy girl in uh, Freaks and Geeks, so it was weird to see her, like, in a super tight sweater and everything. Like, it's like, Ugh, I don't know, I don't but yeah, no, that would be a funny ass crew, though. You know, I still want the black lady from the, from uh, the Daily Show to show up. She would make a great Ghostbuster. I like Aisha Tyler. That'd Aisha Tyler would be fantastic too. She'd be really good. Uh, you know what? I'm thinking just Nicki Minaj, maybe. Nicki Minaj and Beyonce. Oh my gosh. And, and Drake is the receptionist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Nicki Minaj is the receptionist. <laughs> no. I went Drake as Nicki Minaj's receptionist as well. Okay, okay, okay. I still like the idea of Nicki, Nicki Minaj being the receptionist. She's a total fucking freak over the corner. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, In wait. other news. Black Lady Daily Show. I always forget her name. Um, <laughs> not racist. I just, I, it's been a while since I watched Jessica. Is it Jessica Williams? I can't remember. I'm tired. I'm anyway, what? Um, during the announcement of the iWatch... Apple also let slip that after almost exactly 13 years, they're finally ending production of the original brick-like iPod. Farewell, chunky little 160-gigabyte monster. Which is all bummer, just because, like, it's weird to think that is, like, an old piece of technology, the the original iPod. Yeah. Um, that that's the iPod that still had, like, the big, you know, clunky, like, real hard drive. Whereas I think a lot of the iPhones and stuff like that these days, maybe they do have real hard drives, but I know a lot of them have flash drives. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is the big dedicated where it's just music. Maybe I th- I, did the iPod Classic ever even show movies that have like video capability? Uh, I don't see. I don't know which one qualifies as the classic. Like I had an iPod. It's just the big fat white brick. That's yeah. really like it's really almost like like just by its like definition like its thickness. It's not like yeah. like the iPod Nano and stuff like I've had for seven years. That's not technically the classic, but whatever's like the the, the big brick. Yeah. I'm sure I told this story before, but a friend of the podcast, Erica Moen, when I first moved to Portland, uh, gifted me her slash let me loan and borrow indefinitely her iPod classic yeah. and um, I ran across the street in an attempt to catch a bus and dropped it and watched a, a SUV drive over it <laughs> and it's still and I mean literally like I saw it go under one wheel and then the yeah. other did you collect and the pieces and bring them back or I ran out in the street and grabbed it and it still worked for about a month so wow. did you ever tell her about that oh yeah oh okay yeah, that makes you like oh wow erica it's this is not my secret shame <laughs> this broke for no reason it's very mysterious i just sat on it it was so weird yeah you cannot pull that off with an iphone or uh, an ipod touch yeah, yeah. it was it, that was an impressive little machine but that came out almost exactly 13 years ago that i mm-hmm. like that's when the original ipod was announced which is just it's crazy think that much time has passed but yeah yeah, yeah. do you care about the iwatch are you going to buy, like, three of them? Well, I don't have an iPhone, so that kind of makes that... That's a real bummer, because I like the idea of the iWatch. 
but the fact that like it's only an extension to your your iPhone, it's not like a it's its own like separate thing. Self. Uh, yeah, I have to admit, I had seen because Android's been talking about an Android Watch for a, a while now, and um, the um, I kind of want one because they're a battery. That's not the Android one. That's the iPhone. Both of them have. Both of them have. It's a watch sad. with the twelve-hour battery is kind of wank. Yeah, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I understand why. It's essentially just a little version of your device on your wrist. I get that, but did you hear that thing that they're actually selling devices now that will actually block Google Glass signals, so they can't connect to the internet to force people to take off their Google Glass, or at least make sure they can't communicate, like can't send out pictures or anything like that, nice. or upload. Yeah, it's 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 very specifically like yeah, it's a little thing that you plug into your uh an electrical outlet that just sends out signals that shuts that down and also will like shut down like any kind of like weird like wireless spy cameras that might be in the area or anything like that. I don't know how well any of this stuff is supposed to work, but it's funny that there's a burgeoning market for anti Google Glass jamming yeah. equipment. Like yeah, that that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I have to admit, you know, there are times that I wish that you know phone I, i'm i'm as bad about this as everybody else but so to be fair when i'm idly looking at my phone while hanging out with people i'm not texting or doing things i'm just playing marvel puzzle quest like an <laughs> asshole <laughs> but there are times that i'm like man this is appalling i'm just hanging out with friends i should not be looking at my phone even once like i wish that you could just like walk into a bar and, like your phone immediately bricks for the next hour until you leave or something like that well, i know some bars actually kind of do a thing where like you just put your phone into a bucket or something like that yeah like that's kind of becoming a thing which is that still kind of nice i kind of wish when i have people over to watch movies i wish i could kind of collect everyone's phones and just like drop put them in a basket to say hey yeah it's like even during a good movie that everyone's invested in it's inevitable people start sneaking out their phones just to kind of check twitter or something like that yeah I'm not paying attention and yeah that's a little yeah so <sighs> too old man um uh two people i know on twitter they went to go see uh they live in la and there was a they were showing fantasia on the big screen oh yeah and they're having a big fancy production of it and they actually even got dressed up because they, they said they were cosplaying as fantasia mo uh, movie goers in like 1959 <laughs> And they said they showed up, and, and there was a bunch of girls sitting in front of them uh, in one of the front rows uh, just taking pictures of the screen during the film for no reason. And they got a confrontation where the girls were, were like, could you please turn – could you please put away your phone? And the girls were like, oh, fuck you, asshole. And like, we're not the assholes here. And like, turned into a whole big confrontation. They just eventually left because people are such goddamn creams, which is weird. Why would like – ah, yeah, so. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, for the podcast – Matt Nolan's in the in the chat, and he notes that schools are looking at buying wireless jamming equipment to keep students off their phones, but it's actually illegal to do that in the U.S. Hmm, okay. I wonder if they – you can make the argument that it's like an emergency tool, and like if your friends – if your family needs to reach out to you or something like that. Like I can yeah. – yeah. Anyway. But yeah, no, it's, it's – man, it's hard to be civil when a stranger is an asshole. And then it's like, and then it's really hard, like when they're like, you know, fuck off. It's really because your your point of view is just like, well, you're being an asshole. Stop being an asshole. That yeah. our, that conversation is never gonna end well. And yet, and yet, my hand was on the handle of the door. I was gonna <laughs> shove that man for being an asshole. Dude, uh, I love you to death. Oh my god. <laughs> Foley is like afterwards. Foley was like, give me this look. I'm like, that fucker you... deserved to die. I, I was so bad. Can we stick ISIS on him? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. Tomorrow, Microsoft will announce plans to buy Minecraft Studio Mojang for $2.5 billion. This is rumored to be part of Microsoft's attempt to bolster its Xbox division before spinning it off into its own company separate from Microsoft itself. 
Yeah, who knows if that's actually true? That's just the rumor. That's what's happening. Which, I I guess like spinning off the Xbox division. Well, the Xbox division has never been profitable for Microsoft, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I don't know if they would just be spinning it off just so it doesn't. It's so it's not dragging down like Microsoft corporate profile, like in profit profile and stuff like that. Um, the suggestion would be that like the Microsoft, the Xbox division would no longer have to answer directly to the major corporation in terms of like major decisions it's making. It, it, it could have more of a game rather than. The decisions for the Xbox division being made by people who don't know anything about games, supposedly it would be the gaming people within Microsoft who would be making all the calls, and they would be like a, like a more fleet-footed, mm-hmm. snappier company as a result of that, So, which would be interesting. It would be nice to see Microsoft get its shit back together and become its own dedicated gaming thing where you have people actually making the decisions who actually like are gamers and understand what the market uh, kind of wants. But I do like a tweet that people were floating around because of this rumor, which was from Notch a few years ago, where he was like, oh, yeah. yeah, Microsoft asked me about supporting Windows 8, and he said, fuck you, pay me $2 billion, and then I'll support your product. Exactly, yeah. That, that looks like what's happening. Which is the real bummer. Yeah, no, it sucks that... Mohang, you think they would have stuck around for a little bit longer before they get, let themselves get sold out? But I don't know. I don't know what happened here. I, like, well, just even this summer, uh, Notch was talking about how he was ta- wishing he could just sell off the company and not have to deal with like ass gamergate style assholes on the internet and stuff. Like yeah, that. I mean, just being beholden to Minecraft. Yeah. Like just yeah. having like you know, and then being like the folks who made Minecraft and having that like hang over you and like any game you make is going to be is not going to reach those peaks. So yeah, yeah they're, they're never going to make another game as popular as Minecraft. So yeah. and just, yeah, but just feeding the beast that is Minecraft must be yeah. a hell of a thing. It's interesting too because I know Notch has kind of divorced himself from Minecraft for the last couple of years because he ended off uh, development, future development of the game off to a secondhand uh, guy. And that guy's been the guy in charge of Minecraft for, like, mo- actually for longer than Notch ever was. Mm-hmm. And so Notch has been trying to make his own games, like, separate. Like, he had the the, the, the space game where he's supposed right. to be creating resources and stuff that kind of fell apart and stuff like that. So he's tried to make other games, but, yeah, it just never happened. Well, the interesting thing is, if Microsoft buys Minecraft, I would assume they're not buying... Minecraft, they're, they're not buying Mohang to just buy Minecraft, but it's mostly just to have a developer so they can say, like, oh, from the, like, whatever games they produce in the future is from the people making Minecraft. Like, people are worried that now this will mean that Microsoft or will yank Minecraft off of all non-Microsoft platforms. Which yeah. would be fucking insane. Yeah. Because uh, it's sold so many copies. How do you suddenly yank down a game like that? Like, there's yeah. no way they can possibly do that. Well, they um, just stop supporting those things. And well, if they stop supporting them, man, that'd be pissed off so many fucking people. Yeah. Oh, my God. People would... Micro, like, this could go... This could go... From a PR perspective, uh, Microsoft buying Mohan could either be like one of the smartest decisions they've ever made, where they seem kind of like these benevolent things, where they say, "Hey, we bought Minecraft, we bought Mohan, but we're gonna let them be, be their own separate entity within the company. They get to continue developing Minecraft the same way they always have. Now they just have extra resources because they're part of our our company, and we can also make sure that they 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 have the resources to make any future games that will be." Uh, exclusive to our platforms, but we'll still make sure that everyone else still gets, you know, future Minecraft updates. Or they become miserly fucks and try to lock down Minecraft and just piss off everybody even more than everyone's already pissed off of Microsoft. So it'll be interesting to see which which uh which uh which 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 track they take on that. But I don't know, we'll find out soon I guess. I, I just don't see someone spending two billion dollars to share. <laughs> That's the weird thing. But how if they don't share 
we're gonna fucking burn Microsoft down. Hold oh, on, I mean, just all new, over this. all new m- m- Minecraft shit will be Microsoft exclusive. Like they just come out with like Halo themed micro, you know. Yeah, I mean, it well could be they give Minecraft to non Mojang, Mojang, I guess, developers. Microsoft is already looking towards like licensing Minecraft more, so you would have like you know you would have like you know like movie licensed Minecraft skits, not even skits, but God knows it'll be it'll be, yeah, it'll change. I mean, apparently they've had a lot of success on Xbox Live having game themed skins for Minecraft. So he's one of the top sellers on. Uh, yeah, a PlayStation Network is uh, you play as the the Naughty Dog characters as uh, Last of Us characters and stuff like that. So, but anyway, games, anyway. games, games. Not that you ever care about Minecraft, but Minecraft is so awesome. Man, y'all y'all love Minecraft, and I love how much y'all love Minecraft. Minecraft is like so many games in one, but it's I totally get why y'all love it, and that's not what I want from gaming. Any, it's, okay. it's like Edge of Tomorrow, where you die, you can automatically respawn and go back and get your shit, and you can figure out how to do it. Better. Bill, I want to throw open the gamer gates. This is not, we're not in a panic. I know. know. You're going to go to Minecraft land and that's fine. I'm going to go try and fuck some pigeons. That's how it's going to work, my friends. And that's okay. Inspired by all this how to fool boyfriend talk, I tried to fuck some of the pigeons in (laughs) Minecraft and it just didn't work out very well. I couldn't see that not anymore. He just died and laid an egg. That's all I got. Uh, Rest in peace, Richard Kiel. Jaws from Moonraker. Annie, tell me about your favorite Richard Keel moments. Uh... <laughs> from all the... How many times... What's your favorite parts of Moonraker? What's your favorite lines from him in Moonraker? Richard... Oh, that guy! That guy, yeah! Big guy. Big jaw dude, yeah. I was convinced that he had played Lurch on the Addams Family in some perspective, but no, he... It really was his, his biggest claim to fame was just being the guy with the metal teeth in... My perspective, I've never actually seen Moonraker, but he was an unlockable character in the Nintendo 64 GoldenEye game. Yeah. So, so that's more of my perspective is he was the also a metal mouth guy. Right? What's that? I think I've seen The Spy Who Loved Me, and I think he was also in that. He was, well, he played yes, Jaws he was. separate. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that guy. Well, the, the other big news that came out of this week as a result of him dying was he was originally the guy hired to play the Incredible Hulk in the old Incredible Hulk TV show. Oh, interesting. But he got replaced by Lou Ferrigno, but I guess he still shows up in one episode in the in the first episode. He shows up in one shot in the first episode real quick where you can see it's obviously him just painted green, but it's obviously <laughs> not Lou Ferrigno, but it's just like him being like super skinny. And they, they, got, they fired him because he's super tall, but he's super skinny. So yeah. they wanted someone more meat on their boat, so kind of look more Hulk-like. So they, yeah, uh, so... But. Yeah, that poor guy. Yeah, no, he died. So, Universal signed a fo- first look deal with the producers that made the terrible, terrible CGI food fight animated movie about everyone's favorite food brands fighting the forces of darkness. Now, have we talked about this on the podcast, Food Fight? I don't know. There is a link in the notes to the trailer for, 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 for Food Fight. It is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it is a terrible uh, CGI animated film. Obviously animated in some guy's basement. Um, it is the product of I think it's some licensor in 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 Hollywood. <gasps> Are you kidding me? You've never seen this before. Yeah, it stars Charlie Sheen as a talking dog who's dressed like Indiana Jones. 
Uh, it's you, it, just Google Foo Fight on YouTube. It is just. Oh my God, this is astonishing. It's very clearly like partially mocap. Yeah, oh my god, that's alarming. They just got the attractive female cat. <laughs> oh, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. So this is the thing that Universal, the major motion picture company, has signed a first look deal with the people who made this thing that you're watching right now. Supposedly the value of these guys is like like the idea that like they try to turn yeah. Fast food icons like Twinkie the Kid, Charlie the not fast food, but just kind of food brand icons into a cartoon. They try to make the Toy Story of – that's what Food Fight's supposed to be, is Toy Story. But instead of toys, it's like Charlie the Tuna and Twinkie the Kid all fighting. Oh, my God. This is one of the worst – this looks like an SNL sketch. I know for the longest time they actually had the full movie was free on YouTube. Um, I don't know if it's that way anymore, but... Mrs. Butterworth yeah. just attacked people. <laughs> yeah, Andy's watching with, like, the 30-second the, 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 the trailer, and it, it is It's just... amazing because it's very clearly partially mo-capped. Yeah. I think, I think what happened is that they bought, like, a licensed library of motion-captured animations and just kind of plugged the dialogue over on top of that. But yeah, it's 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 ghastly as shit. The cast is Charlie Sheen, Eva Longoria, Hilary Duff, Wayne Brady, Chris Kattan, Larry Miller, Harvey Fairstein, and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, and it's just Wayne Brady plays this black chipmunk pilot guy who's supposed to be Charlie Sheen's best friend, and it's just oh, the first anyway. comment on YouTube is the budget was sixty-five million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, no, they were developing this movie for like ten years, and well, least, I think they spent most of the the uh, budget for the movie on licensing deals because, like, like I said, you have Charlie the Tune and Twinkie the Kid and all these characters, Miss Butterworth showing up, but they obviously only spent like ten dollars on the animation, and like maybe, and I think the script was written by the producer guy who had never actually written a movie before, and so it's all just like the worst, like lazily like written jokes and. And yeah, which is weird because the main character, you think the main character would be a food product spokesperson, but no, it's an original character. It's a dog dressed like Indiana Jones as voiced by Charlie Sheen. How is that not an SNL sketch? Like, seriously? Yeah, I know, yeah. And you know, this is, yeah, this is Universal. It has signed a first look deal with these guys because supposedly they were so impressed by the idea of Food Fight. Regardless of how the movie turned out, they're like, you know, that's a good idea. Actually basing a film around food spokes uh, characters. Isn't that the inevitable collapse of American culture? I know that really this is, is the most banal thing of me to say, but I'm pretty sure uh, an, a tentpole movie that's like, well, we're going to have Mr. Clean and then Mrs. Butterworth and then Ronald McDonald. They're each going to have their independent features. And then next yeah. summer we're going to have a team up. Maybe. It'll be the Avengers of the supermarket. Oh, my God. That's that's it. That's when that's, I pull the plug and move to an island <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. We'll, we'll have the, the video game will be like the Smash Brothers of, of, of supermarket stuff. We'll have like Mr. Kling duking it out with, you know. I feel heavy. Yeah. Like, like just. <laughs> Welcome to uh, white American 21st century first world just bloat. <sighs> yeah. I just feel my heart feels fat. What else can we talk about? <laughs> You suddenly feel like you're made of gravy you and know, the tears of poor people. You, Bill and I understand this. When you're when you're overweight and you mildly exert yourself, <laughs> you just feel kind of blue. Yeah, you're a little heavy and you realize 
Oh, if 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 I were in the wild, I would have totally been the, the fat, sick antelope that got eaten miles ago. I'm just saying, emotionally, I just ran up ten flights of stairs. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that made Oh, God. Anyway, okay, I'm going to read the next note and try to move on. Um, the <laughs> website Before Mario, which posts information about Nintendo products created before Nintendo got in console gaming, has announced a Before Mario book that will be published sometime next year. Yeah, not the biggest news, but that was just interesting That's to me really because cool. someone's publishing a book about Nintendo stuff before Nintendo, yeah, did stuff. So it's it's a lot of books about, like, all the toys they made in the 60s and stuff like that. Um, it's being published by the same company that did, like... Uh, it's a French company that writes all their books in French and translates them. It almost seems like through like uh, Babelfish into English. Yeah. And so the English versions of all their books are really kind of like, Arr. but this before Mario site, it's an English language site. So I think that's their first natively English written book. And, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's mostly just going to be a collection of their best Tumblr posts of big high res pictures of all the Nintendo stuff that they used to make before they got into video games. Well, along with, you know, commentary and stuff. So that's, that's great. If you're into Nintendo history stuff, that's interesting, but yeah, that's, that's the only news about that. Really. Burger King Japan has announced the black burger. A burger with a black bun, black pepper meat, and mayo and cheese dyed black with squid ink. Have you seen the pictures of it? Yes, it looks nice. It really is jet black. Well, the bun is black because they put bamboo charcoal into it, which I don't know. Does that look like the inside of your mouth jet black? That's what, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just imagining like my teeth and tongue turning black while eating yeah. this. Yeah, Andy, a uh, friend of the podcast, Andy, who's actually just my ex-housemate, uh, he just came back from his uh, Hawaiian honeymoon, and he brought back uh, like charcoal, black volcanic charcoal uh, salt. Then we used that on some food, and it turned our teeth black. Because it's got, like, charcoal on it, and so... Yeah. Yeah. But it made it look like you just, like, ate, like, fucking toner ink. Man, your poop would just be jet black. That'd be terrifying. Wouldn't that be interesting, though? Uh, just, just to see what happens, yeah. Nope. Oh. Nope. It's just not... You definitely not have to look... take a shower before anal sex, though, because your butt would just look like... Oh, Bill. Look like a... It's... Like you're looking into a dark I store. Like, I guess in that context, I would clean my butthole before I have anal sex. Well, no. No, like you know, especially because it's gonna be extra confounding. Like if you might, if you see a little brown streak, like well, whatever, this is this person's butt. But like, if the person has a comment, like has to wonder, like hey. what the fuck it is that you ate hey. before the anal sex. Let's move on to the next note <laughs> on the Geek Week interview. The last note. Uh, the Legend of Korra returns for its fourth and final season in just three weeks, October third. Bill also notes Cora got a haircut. The Tumblr is freaking out about. Also, the Foley Maloney household is freaking about it. Okay, we're, I'm freaking out. In a good out. way or a bad way? In a good way. We're all on Team Bob. Are you yep. kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Cora has gone through such an emotional change over the last season. It only makes sense that she has a physical change to go along with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Foley's on Team Haircut. Also, in fact, literally right now, she is drawing Cora fan art. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Fantastic. Is it Sami giving her the haircut? No, it's a, a friend of the podcast, Mirror by Night, um, commissioned Foley to draw a Sami straddling Cora. So, which I'm like, hey, you know what? If you're going to be paid Which is especially that, easy considering that she's crippled now. That's right, Bill. Uh, it's, I'm like, I would ask you to do that anyway. If someone's going to pay you to do it, then I'm on board doubly so. All the better. So I I need to create a a piece of a a Cora fan art that is just Cora's empty chair, but now with a new seat welded onto the, like the front of it, like that's just a Sami seat. 
So she just, you know, sit for oral sex on top of, like, the, the wheelchair. Bill, that's a really good and compassionate idea. That yeah. is an excellent perception of disabilities. Like we started yeah. talking about at the beginning of this episode, I'm all about empathy. You said a horrible thing, and I'm not repeating the other <laughs> I just said Crippled lesbian cartoon sex. So... I'm very excited about Morikora. I'm, I'm, I'm as much as I am sad that it's going to be just kind of popped online to die. Yeah, Legend of Korra, the cartoon set to die. Having said that, I'm just thrilled that we're getting a season four and that um, you know, it's gonna happen. And I like the changes that were happening by the end of season three. And I'm curious about the new context. And I'm excited yeah. it's coming sooner rather than later. It will only be aired online again. Just gonna be digital. And they also announced that every episode is gonna be shown in a progressively smaller uh, thumbnail size. <laughs> video box on the website so the finale it's really going to be like just the finale like, is just going to be two tumblr gifts that's <laughs> that's all that's, yeah no no nickelodeon already got duped into like like financing these last three seasons of cora and they're like you know what the last episode really is just gonna be you guys enough money two animated gifts neither of them can be more than 60 <laughs> frames long they can repeat though yes they can loop yes but <laughs> So, a friend of mine went to school with Michael DiMartino, one of the two creators of uh, Legend of Korra and Avatar Last Airbender, and Justin saw him recently, and was like, oh, hey, my friends really like your show. Like, they talk about it all the time. Are they talking about you? Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, my friends Annie and Felipe, they love your show. And Michael's like, oh, that's great, thanks. And Justin goes, yeah, they really like those two girls that are together on that show. Apparently, apparently Michael Dewey was just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Shut up already. Okay, so, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Is there any chance at all, any chance, any, 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 any chance there's even a slight nod towards them actually having any kind of relationship by the end of the day? No! I know, but it's on, it's on the internet. No one's watching. They, they didn't know that no one was watching on the internet before. All I'm hoping is a really strong friendship yeah. that if people want to read lesbian subjects, sent you, that's fine. You know what? I, I will be happy if they, as long as they just don't force either onto Mako, like, or Mako onto either of them. It would be nice if they actually just, like, or either that or murder-suicide, Butch Cassidy style. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. all I want, too. So hey, what happens buddy. in the next season? What happens? Uh, balance happens. I guess so, yeah. Well, I guess she gets out of the wheelchair because the promo art is her no longer... So I'm assuming she may be like, you know, she just needed a couple weeks to heal up before she gets back to the Being a wheelchair doesn't mean you're permanently disabled. Really? <laughs> Have you? <laughs> you know what? Turns out she was only in the wheelchair in that last episode because they were planning to go to the Earth Kingdom Disneyland, and that's the quickest way to get on all the rides. She's only in that wheelchair because she just ran up ten flights of stairs. That's why. I saw me cut her hair off just trailer. because it's a little bit lighter, so she's like, oh, okay, maybe I'll stand up. I can, oh, less weight now. <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm curious to see what happens because this is, well, no, I don't want to, well, I guess you kind of have to spoil the last season. You've kind of gotten the world to a place that's kind of a post-Avatar world. Yeah. And what role does the Avatar serve in that world? You already had that to some degree in like a more industrial society that was less in touch with spirituality. But now kind of forcibly the spirits are present. So what purpose does an Avatar serve? What does being the Avatar mean if she's lost that connection? Like well, that's the thing. She could, I mean, you could almost see this heading towards like uh, she's the last Avatar mm-hmm. because, you know, she's kind of lost her connection. The world doesn't seem to need an Avatar quite so much. Like, 
I like who knows like they can go in all kinds of crazy different directions but I don't it'll just be fun to watch so yeah, yeah. I I hope I hope that uh, they they managed to pull off is I mean season three had problems but it was still a fun ride yeah and uh, I'm just really all I want from Cora again is just an enjoyable time. An enjoyable time with lady friends. Yeah, if it starts off on October 3rd, and assuming there's like 12 or 13 episodes, it should be wrapping up like around Thanksgiving or like early December. So that's perfectly kind of a holidays TV show. Like Exactly. And cartoons. So much TV's coming soon. Like, let's see. We've got Brooklyn Nine-Nine's coming out. The new Gotham show is going to come out. Gotta watch that's getting rave reviews. And I'm like, how is that happening? It looks I'm, terrible. I'm, on, uh, I'm totally going to watch that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm going to watch yeah. it in a heartbeat. I just love it's like sleep. Lena Kyle and she's supposed to be 16 and she's already climbing on top of stuff for no reason despite the fact that she's not even trying to be Catwoman yet. I, when I was a little girl I climbed over everything so I can sympathize with that. I'm just saying. Did you see the like, the gag where supposedly like they, they haven't cast anyone as the Joker yet but like every episode of the season is supposed to be introducing someone who may potentially turn into the Joker? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good who shot Mr. Burns sort of thing. Yeah you know, exactly like that. yeah. That's pretty good. All right, friends, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast. As always, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. Howdy at BoyHattiePodcast.com is a way for it to email us. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes if you're so inclined. You can give us one or two stars we deserve. It's fine. We don't hate you for it. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week to talk about more pop culture detritus. Woo. We'll see you all next week, friends. Take care, guys. We'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through, just like you always do, till the blue skies drive the dark clouds.